Warning. The Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my fellow artists. Welcome to Not Real Art, the podcast that celebrates the culture of creativity. I'm your host, Sourdough. And Man One in the house. We got everybody's favorite Man One with us today. We love it when uh, Man is in the studio. How you doing today, sir? I love it. I love it when I'm in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> actually i love it when i'm in the not real art studio not real art studio well yeah, you know when i'm in my studio i'm working you're, <laughs> you're actually working <laughs> here you're playing here right, because it's fun. not real art here yeah i'm having fun yeah it's a little warm in here i'm gonna turn the uh temperature up because uh you know the to all of you at home vibes. listening everyone at home listening sourdough is changing his temperature <laughs> on his iPhone app because there is an app, as we learned, there's an app for everything. For every fucking thing, there's an app. <laughs> yeah. Well, my furnace doesn't work on my phone, by the way. Yeah. Well, you know, this doesn't work either, by the no, way. Doesn't? Yeah, yeah, oh. Don't bother. Don't oh, okay. spend the extra money. Oh. Because it, you know, clearly doesn't work very well. Yeah. Uh, but any anyway, uh, <laughs> so what are we doing today? I know what we're doing today. What are we doing today? Yeah, so, okay, so I thought it would be kind of fun yeah. to produce a podcast that celebrates uh, our grant winners. For those listeners that don't know, Not Real Art has an annual grant. Last year, we awarded money to 12 lucky artists. So we gave 12 artists each $1,000. This is part two? This is part two. And so, what we did was, uh, we love our winners, they're fan-fucking-tastic people, and we've been trying to celebrate them and elevate them. Yeah. You know, our grant isn't just about giving you money and walking away, we want to give you a platform. So, we've been producing content around them, we've, you know, featured them on the blog, we've interviewed them, we gave them an exhibition featuring their work at Art Share last October, which was just a great show. Many of them, yep. it was their first show. But we also wanted to create some video content and some audio content that help them, you know, tell their stories and promote their work. So yeah. back in October, we did a video shoot right. at ArtShare and sort of set up a talk show like kind of stage right? and had our film crew come in and we sat down with the grant winner, some of them and interviewed them and just had a, you know, rap session right? about winning the grants and challenges and just different things that they're working with and Talked about the exhibition that they were about to go on. Yeah, well, it sounded great on the first episode with those. Uh, was it? It was those, good, right? First yeah, four. yeah, yeah. With Rachel and Beth and Edmund and Tony. Yeah, that was yeah, good. yeah. So because we did the video shoot in two segments, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, not everybody could be there. So we did, uh, you know, the one with Rachel and Beth and Edmund and Tony, and that was on the other podcast that I, I want to encourage our listeners to check out if they haven't done it. Yeah. But on this one, we want to feature the other four. That we sat down with. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Cheyenne Saunter, our partner over at ArtShare, she and I I had the chance to to talk to these fantastic young emerging independent artists. And uh, so on this podcast, 
we have four more of our winners. Right. We have Marguerite Collor, who's just this fantastic artist. I really dig her stuff. It's got a, I don't know, just like a contemporary funk to it. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I just really like her stuff. Mm. Monica Leal uh, Cueva, a wonderful artist. Juliana Bastillo and Jesse Noguchi. And, you know, wonderful group of, of independent, mm-hmm. you know, emerging artists. What did you think about our winners? I thought it was great. You know, obviously, only seen their work before in on the computer screen. And then, you know, being able to walk into the exhibition and see all their work next to each other. It was actually kind of amazing that all the work, all the work kind of flowed together. Yeah. In a weird way, because, you know, usually like curation is very difficult and sometimes you don't get it right. Although these were just, you know, we were going individually, treating them as grant winners. Collectively, the whole show worked great. So, yeah, seeing their stuff together was awesome, you know, over at Art Share. And I thought it was uh, really, really powerful, really well-executed artwork. It was a strong show. It was strong. It was very strong. And you would think that with that kind of level of sort of diversity to use an overused word these days, but the the eclectic nature of the pieces and everything really hung well together. Exactly. Yeah. And and a few of them enjoyed drinking that night too. I know I did. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't trying to rat you out, bro. Oh, man. I'm drunk right now. What are you talking about? (laughs) Shit. (laughs) So, that enhanced the the atmosphere. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was a really good show. I was really happy with the way it turned out and the look and the, and a great turnout. Great turnout. Great turnout. And, you know, I, I was just so thrilled for the artists. Yeah. You know, they were, they're so hungry. They're yep. so ambitious, working hard, but they're leading with their heart. They're leading, they have high integrity about their work and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some of them, this was their first show exactly. ever. Exactly. Right? Yeah. What a way to... What a way to enter the art world. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I was proud from a, you know, not real art crew, a studio perspective because our whole mission is about, you know, right. uh, celebrating and elevating artists, helping artists, empowering artists, giving them a platform to tell their stories and promote their work. So, right. the grant is part of that, but these other programs, uh, the exhibition, what have you, further to, you know, work harder for us to help pay that off. Yeah. And so, and that's what this podcast is about too, because we did this video shoot and the video will release later and everything. But yeah. I thought, let's just release the audio now so people can hear uh, from these artists and hear their stories. Right. And uh, let's turn it into a podcast. So, I said, yeah, uh, let's do that. And so, without further ado, yeah, why don't we get this uh, show on the road Yeah, and get the audio going. And, you know, like I said, we got Marguerite, we got Monica, we got Juliana, we got Jesse. I think one of them was really stoned that day, by the way, I do have to say. Actually, I know for a fact somebody was really stoned that day, but I'm not going to name names, but it is pretty funny. It may be the one that you don't hear a lot from. <laughs> when you point your finger, uh, yeah. four more are pointing. Right. Right, back at you. <laughs> right. Oh, no, I talked a lot, but was I high? You decide. But without further ado, let's uh, hear from Marguerite, Monica, Juliana, and Jesse. Right on. Hit it. All right. Hi, Cheyenne. Hi, Scott. Good it's to so see good you to again. see you again. <laughs> Thank you. We just have to keep getting together like this. I know. I would love it. We should do this every Tuesday. Uh, by the way, let's plan on it. Okay. And today, we're so fortunate to be joined by. Oh, 
Hi. Our grand winners. Hey guys. Hi. Ladies. <laughs> <in the house. laughs> I, and I feel like, you know, given the apparel here, the all black, like we need to form a rock band. I yes. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like a hair salon or um, like a restaurant, but I like the rock band. Yeah, like you know, I mean, I, I feel like it'd be punk, right? Yeah. Death metal, maybe? Are we death metal fans? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should take some time here to go around and introduce our grant winners. But before we do that, we will thank you all for coming. Like this is, I mean, I know you're busy getting ready for the show on Saturday. So for you to come and sit down, we really appreciate it. We have Jesse Noguchi. Yes, thank you. We have a Margarita Calor. It's just Marguerite Calhor. Excuse me, excuse me. It's Kurdish Calhor. Calhor, I love it. Fantastic. We have a Monica Leal Cueva. 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 And we have Juliana Bustillo. Yes. Hi. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Are you going to forgive me for butchering those names? I'm sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you what expect day. from a white guy uh, <laughs> went to public school here in America? Come on. My mom confuses our siblings' names all the time. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, if mom fucks up, I guess, you know, it's okay. Okay, for a stranger. So I'm so grateful to have you guys here because you are the inaugural class recipients of the Not Real Art grant, which was received back in March at the conference. What was it like getting the news that you had received the grant, Jesse? I was like, oh my God, you know, I just started painting probably less than two years ago. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I've been seen, I've been heard, and like totally like approved. So just, I was very excited. That's fantastic. Is this your first grant that you've applied for? Yeah. Nice. We love that. Marguerite, what was it like? I was pretty stoked. Stoked. Yeah. <laughs> Got that email. Chuching. Yes. <laughs> I had applied to a bunch of things and hadn't really heard back from anyone. And then I heard back from this and I was pretty happy about it. Right on. Right on. Monica? I was pretty surprised because I applied like the last hour of the last day. And I was, I was in <laughs> Just Puerto in under Rico. The wire. Yeah, I was in Puerto Rico with my parents when I applied. And I was just like, okay, I got the email, there's this chance, let's just do it. And I did it and I really didn't think it was gonna work. And then I got the email while I was at work and it was really, really great because I had just been sort of put down by someone in the industry. And so to get this and mm -hmm. be like, yep. And then label not real art. Fuck the establishment. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, we, you know, that's what not real art is all about. Right. I mean, that's, you know, so. What was it like? I like I opened the email and I was just like, oh shit. And I was like, oh, it's like, it's a thousand dollars. And the first thing I was just like, what do I need? What am I gonna buy? I was thinking of like the canvases and everything. So, so like, what did you end up buying? I bought a bunch of stuff. Actually, like one of the paintings in the show, the biggest one, I was able to do a big painting because of the money. So like that painting pretty much got funded by the grant. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. Jesse, what'd you do with the money? Did you go to oh. Vegas? You? <laughs> no, but I took, actually, uh, honestly, I took my mom to be here. Oh, that's oh, beautiful. That's great. That's great. I'm supposed to buy material, right? <laughs> that's awesome. Well, but, you know. Yeah, I took her here and then, you know, show around and she helped me to hang my paintings. So, well, I think the, that, that's beautiful. I mean, I think, you know, the parlance or the, the way we talk about the stuff, it's like, well, these grants are meant to further the practice of these artists. And, you know, that word practice, I mean, 
that's defined by the artist. And if that means, you know, you want your family nearby, then God damn it, that's yeah. how you should use the money. <laughs> the needs that, that emerging artists have are so, they're intangible, they're tangible, they're everything from rent to food on the table, to going out to eat, you know, treating yourself, to getting a new pair of shoes, to getting canvas. I mean, the needs are life. You, yes. And to be able to get $1,000 of free money, so you, you don't like owe us anything. You don't have to d learn to do a backbend or a walkover <laughs> for us. Like it's free money for you to do what you want. No strings think, attached. No yeah. strings attached. I think that's what I was just telling everyone. I was like, guys, I didn't ask for anything. I didn't even give them a painting, guys. Like, <laughs> they just gave me $1,000 and it was great. But yeah, a lot of art materials. And I remember I actually took out a school loan because I actually went to like painting school. I have a bachelor's painting and drawing and like that was $500 took care of like like a third of it and I was just like oh shit. Oh that's amazing. So the Not Real Art Grant is our first foray into the grant game. So you have to educate me a little bit. Do grants typically come and Cheyenne I know you have a lot of experience in this. Do grants typically come with strings attached? Kind of. Yeah? Like I think of like residencies a lot. You know where you have to dedicate this like either it's like a whole year and then you have to go to meetings you have to what is it like put in time you have to meet all these people you have to go to all these events and you're just kind of like damn man like was it really worth it <laughs> sometimes yeah, yeah. And sometimes they're giving you let's say five thousand dollars but the amount of time you're putting in it starts to not Balance. Or sometimes it kind of screws with you because you're kind of like, man, we really don't share the same values here. Like, what the hell is going on? That's a good point. That's yeah. the one that gets to me sometimes. And I'm just kind of like, oh, never mind. I'm just going to mind my own business. Well, this is a really powerful point, actually, because I, I just wonder to what extent these grants are truly artist centric. I mean, are the grants meant to be more sort of self-serving? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. I know our motivation from day one was all about celebrating and elevating you, the artist, and helping to empower your work and your career, however you define it. Uh, we, I couldn't imagine putting strings, you know, attaching strings to the grant. Yeah, like imagine having to be nice to someone you don't like. My wife does it every day. Yeah, I'm wondering if, if that's what you're doing to us, Julie. No, I'm not. I'm not. Exactly. I've actually like, been coming back. I've done I a know. bunch of stuff with Archie. Yeah, Julianne has hung with us twice already, and this will be her third show. And her first show, she sold one of her highest priced pieces. Is that right? No, not the highest priced okay. pieces. The first time, the first show that I was here, one of the, oh my God, I forgot his name. I feel so bad. But I think he's one of the board of directors at RCLA bought the painting. Oh, great. TJ, DJ. DJ Sandler. Yes, yes. thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that was like a, it was the first time I actually sold a painting too. And to know that it was like, like, I was like, oh my God, it's like RCLA bought the painting. Thanks guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's so tough to be an artist anyway. Why make it tougher? The grant should not make it tougher. The grant should make it easier to be an artist. But the grantor is looking for something, right? They're sure. going to give some money and they want their name to be yep. elevated. Yep. And they want to make sure that their money is doing something. Right. So that doing something can be translated in a piece of work or some sort of numbers. Like I was able to paint this many times because of your money. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're looking for quantifiable 
numbers so mm. that they can justify the need and the want to give money over mm. and over. And they don't want to just throw it away. They want to make sure that there's a value added. Yes. But I think where they go wrong is the value added becomes counterintuitive to what they're doing and they're looking at the numbers in the spreadsheets more than they're getting to know the artist and kind of what they're trying to convey. Right. Where's the humanity? I know. Damn them. That's what we need. So what are the more coveted art grants out there? Yeah, do you guys apply for grants often? I don't. I've never. Okay. Yeah, that's I right. Yeah. You're a virgin <laughs> for <First> us. Time. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of like residencies, you know, like as a painter, you hear about like the Joan Mitchell grant. And you're just like, oh my God, like if I get that one one day, I'm in. I did it. That means like I did something. And then you hear about like those big names, you know, like Rauschenberg one, and you're just like, oh my God. That one sounds amazing because, you know, like what he stands for. But then at the same time, you're like, why am I so into this? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it becomes a status game <laughs> yeah. versus an actual accomplishment of your practice, I think. And you guys are at the, at the part of your career where it's really just about work. You need to produce work to justify and figure out your vision. How many of you are still kind of figuring out your series and figuring out who you are as a painter? Yeah, Jesse just started two years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesse, talk through your process of the two years and how you got here. Right. I started painting because I was in Japan taking care of my grandma. Uh, she had a stroke. And then she told me, you are the one like who always dream about what you want to do, even you are in the coffin, you know, in the grave. You know, so I'm always dream about it, but not doing anything. So she said, you know, just express yourself and then show it to the world. So, okay, I don't have any education, art education. So but I just started, but painting is probably the one of the easiest. You know, you need a paper or a canvas and just do whatever. So I did abstract and then later digital. So I'm, I can't just stick on the one style. So I feel bad about it. Like, okay, I feel like I'm, who am I? You know, digital artist, but when I do digital, doesn't seem like a real art. So also abstract makes me really happy, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm always like questioning myself, so, so. And I think because you're at the beginning stages of your career and the ability to kind of find the inner voice and express yourself onto canvas, I think it's okay to dabble and do a lot of different mediums. I think that's what you would have done in school, right? Like you would have taken a digital class, you would have taken a abstract class, theory. So you're doing that on your on your own time, maybe? Yeah, in that's your right. Voice. Yeah. Well, it's it's finding your voice, right? Like right, that's exactly. what you're searching for, right? Exactly. Oh, I can do this, and then let's try this, and I feel more comfortable with this. So, like you know, each time I questioning myself discovering and I know what I'm comfortable with, you know, I figured out what I want to challenge to. So kind of like, like little by little, I know who I want to be. Yeah, you're, you're refining yeah. it. How about you? You're moving a lot. You have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of stuck right now, yeah. work-wise. I've been probably making art seriously since I was, you know, in my teens. And Such an old lady. I am an old lady. Yeah. <laughs> A whopping 25. I know. <laughs> 32. You look amazing for your age. Hey, thanks. <laughs> so my work kind of, it has, it's definitely related to the environment that I'm in. And right now I'm working in the movie industry and it's 
being in a creative field and being creative is super difficult, like being creative on my own time. So like I'm trying to find a direction and like a new way of expressing myself without fitting into the tropes of the industry that I'm in. Are you finding yourself creatively exhausted when yeah. you come home? But some, every so often there will be a wacky moment where I'll just want to spew something out on a piece of paper or make a wacky video about it, and it happens. <laughs> Love it. Monica, do you have anything to add to that, finding your voice? I think right now is the closest I've been to being myself, feeling comfortable doing what I'm doing. It took me a while. I started maybe like five or six years ago. And I started with collage and then mixed media and then I moved into photography and digital compositions. And I feel like, I feel comfortable with what I'm doing. I used to be very self-conscious, especially about the subject matter. <laughs> but right now, with everything that's happening and the fact that I'm able to do this every week, because every weekend I get to work on my stuff, then I'm good. <laughs> I love I'm that happy. word, comfortable. Yeah. You don't hear that from artists very often. Yeah. And we were talking about this in the last show that artists and humans were very self-critical and we love to second guess ourselves and second guess our work. So in order to feel comfortable, have you guys felt comfortable in your, in your creation? Does that word resonate with you? Yeah, like for me, I have like my studio. That's my comfort zone. Yeah. I go in there and like, it's mine. Nothing is going to happen there that I don't allow it to happen. And you just kind of control time. And it's just nice, you know, you go in there. And when you get those moments when you find yourself working and then you kind of zone out and then you like come back and you're like, oh my God, it's been like three hours. That's when you're like, okay, it's good. Well, can I add? Yeah, please. But I feel like I need to suffer. I feel that if I don't suffer, I feel a little guilty. I don't know. It's always like a balance. Yeah, I often tell at ArtShare, we work with a lot of performers. And right before they go on stage, I see them do their rituals of pacing or, or panicking. And I kind of feel like you, it's okay to have a certain level of panic because then you put it all out there. And I feel like sometimes when I'm performing or doing something that's creative, if I'm not nervous the day before, then it's going to suck. 100%. Right? 100%. <laughs> like you have to kind of... I've been explaining that to my daughter because she, she's starting to perform now at seven. You know, like she loves her little, she studies theater and what have you. And she was telling me before her performance the other day, like she was nervous and she was scared. And I said, that's a good thing. You know? Embrace it. Yeah. If that feeling goes away, then you're in the wrong place. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, being an artist is, it's sort of a blessing and a curse, right? Because on a certain level, it's a calling. Like, I don't know that it's a choice. I mean, did you have a choice? Could you have been an engineer, an accountant? <laughs> I'm like, probably. Probably. You'd yeah. be anything you want to be. Yeah, but this is just kind of like, I can't help it. But there are things about being an artist, being a professional artist, right, that we must do that has nothing to do with being creative. It's more about running a small business, you know, making sure you're uh, collecting on your invoices and, oh, by the way, sending the invoices out to begin with, you know, following up on your social media feed, you know, getting out and doing networking. I mean, what are some of the things that you struggle with in terms of your business as an artist? I mean, I guess I used to think about that, but recently 
I had like a sit down with a teacher. We were talking about that, like what kind of artist are you? What kind of artist do you want to be? And I was like, well, I don't want to do the business side. And he was like, well, there's two kinds of artists. There's like that. What is it like the scholar? You know, you go to school, you do these things, you go to grad school, you teach, you like, you're about the institution. Like you can have your say about it, but in order for you to change it, you kind of have to participate and play the game. Or you can be the business artist, the one with the assistants, the one with the invoices, the one that's always like trying to produce something, produce the same thing, the same thing over and over again, volumes. And I'm like, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the other thing. I'm interested in finding a way to make my art be part of my, like literally every day, everything I do, you know, like you give back and you receive. Through that, you know, like if you teach, you get to meet other artists, you just, you just, you kind of like stay in the game. I feel like there's also another type of artist, wouldn't be a professional one, I guess, but it's the one that just creates and doesn't really get out there too much. Mm -hmm. It's just, he or she just does it for themselves. Yes. And there's, there's many of those. And then eventually, sometimes, you know, someone discovers them and they mm -hmm. get to be someone, but that's another option. Is it possible to be a professional artist and not be paid for your art? I guess that's the, I mean, by definition, <coughs> you wouldn't be a professional artist, but I think you have to really ask yourself, what is it that you want to do? Do you want to, because I do that, I, I ask myself, do I want to be in this game that can maybe sometimes cut through your soul? Or do you want to just keep doing what you're doing? Yes. And yes, maybe there won't be a reward except the fact that you're doing what you love. So I feel like we shouldn't be confusing being an artist with getting paid or yes. getting some sort yes. of reward. Because being an artist is just doing what you want to do. Yes. So yeah, the rest is like added bonus. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, right. I'm, you know, I, I think we were saying, Marguerite, you're 25. Is that what we were saying? I'm um, 86. So, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm 49, right? So I remember back, you know, in the 80s, 90s, what have you, there was a real wall between fine art and commercial art, right? There's like a you know, brick wall. And over the last 25, 30 years, I've seen that wall erode away primarily because of technology. So there's this blurring of, you know, where does fine art start and stop and commercial art start and stop. Monica, I take your point because I mean, I know so many amazing artists who have full-time jobs doing other things and they come home and work in their studio at home, in their garage, building beautiful things, creating beautiful things, and they don't have one iota of interest to monetize that. It's for their soul, it's for their therapy, it's for their own edification. And so I take your point, I think that's right. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, these are things that I think everybody should ask themselves. Yes. You can fall, there's people that know how to manage themselves really well, they know how to, network, they know how to handle money, they can do that. And then there's others that they're not good at that and they force themselves to be in that, in that game. And so you can have what you want, but you have to be clear about what you want. Determining what you want, exactly. knowing what you want. Yeah. What do you want, Monica? I'm still determining that, but I'm not really stressed out about it. I know that it's very unlikely to be one of the lucky ones that really get to live off of their art only. Yes. <laughs> and so I know that 
but that doesn't stress me out. All I want to do is to have the means to keep continuing doing the artwork. I'll find a way to put it out into the world, whether it's through social media only or whether it's to find opportunities like this one or shows somewhere else. I'll find a way, but I think my main concern is to be able to keep doing what I'm doing, you know? That's what I want for, for the moment. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. So it's interesting because there's a fine line between success and being able to be successful. So if your work is not that great, but you're really good at marketing, getting yourself out there and talking to the right people and networking and knowing the right people, you know, they're finding success. Does that bother you at all, saying what you just said? I think it used to. <laughs> <laughs> you see things out there that you don't consider that maybe they're worthy of all that success, but at the same time, who are you to say that? Like, who are you to say what's worth it and what's not? There's so much work out there, especially with Instagram. There is this just, and people love it. People love the best and the worst. There's audience for everyone. So I think it used to bother me, but not anymore. It's all about what I really want to do. If I want to get good at marketing, then, you know, I'll learn how to be good at marketing. And, and if I enjoy it, I might do it. But I personally don't like it. <laughs> so it's almost like, you know, I would rather be out there taking photos and spending my time doing that than devoting myself to how to promote certain things. I may change my mind, by the way, that's but okay. right now that's my mentality. No, no, you cannot. I'm sorry. This is it. Yeah. It's on tape. Where the whole world erase, knows. Erase. <laughs> yeah. Marguerite, you talked a little bit about some of the challenges you have because you work in the movie business, right? and entertainment here in Hollyweird. You're an artist as well. So it sounds like you have, you know, you sort of probably pay the bills with your gig, and then you have the art as sort of, you know, I don't know, therapy and, and spiritual food, what have you. Talk a little bit about the challenge, because you were saying that sometimes it's hard being a, working in the creative industries and then being an artist. Well, before I moved down here, I went to UC Santa Cruz for grad school, and it seems like the academic environment was a lot Kind of, it was a better environment for me to work in, and I was way more prolific than this other life that I have. So, yeah, I'm tired. It's almost like a, it's hard to be creative, it's hard to be productive artistically if you're physically exhausted, yeah. mentally exhausted. And I'm using the email skills that you learn in grad school, because grad school is a really great place to learn how to write an email. <laughs> for $100,000? So I'm able to use my brain in a way that I never thought I could before, but that kind of is killing the creative side of my brain. <laughs> so I don't know what There's I'm a lot do. there to unpack. I, I wish know. we had more time because there's a lot going on with Marguerite. <laughs> do, you, do you regret getting your, is it MFA? Yeah. Do you regret getting your MFA? No, it, MFAs are amazing. So UC Santa Cruz is cool. It's a research institution and rather got my BA in art practice. So it doesn't really teach you how to like hone any technical skills. It kind of teaches you how to be a better person and like analyze the world in a totally different way. Mm -hmm. And then going back in the workforce, you're kind of analyzing everyone that you're working with. But you're pretty lucky because a lot of artists don't have jobs in the creative field, right? They have to do a nine to five job Monday through Friday that doesn't connect to their creation. And I think with ArtShare and the artists that I get to meet, they're all emerging, they're all kind of up and coming, and they're trying to figure out 
how to not let their creativity die in those jobs. And I'm always telling them, look for a job that will let you, will see your creativity as a benefit, as something that will add to it. So do you feel that you're tapping into different parts of your creativity that you wouldn't if you were just doing art on your own or in your own studio? And what do you do? I'm a puppeteer. This is great. Good I, to know. But I work in the office sometimes at this puppet place. It's, I'm understanding more big picture kind of things than like minutia of like a s series of work. And so I'm just, my experience is like kind of slowly growing and I will be able to make something that is cohesive, I think. But for now it's just like doodles and like small sketchy moments. Small sketchy moments. Yes. <laughs> I'm just letting that hang for a minute because that's poetic actually, I think. <laughs> Monica, I'm curious, how do you find community? Juliana, I wanna, you know, as, as an artist, it's a lonely profession sometimes. You're in the studio working with your art. I mean, how, how do you guys find community? So I actually work with artists, but even there, there's a lonely aspect. I'm in the background of, of the studio, the artists are in another spot, and so I, I get to talk to them, but what I do is I do these zine fests. I don't know if you know mm -hmm. what they are, but mm. people do their own publications yep. and their own promotional materials, and then you go and you sell them there, and it's a great way to meet people. It's called, it's a zine fest. Uh -huh, it's a zine fest. Okay, so what's the website? Want to make sure our viewers well, know how to find it. there's many. There's yeah. like one in LA, one in Long Beach, one, there's one per city. Okay. What you do is you as an artist, you sign up, you mm -hmm. apply. Mm -hmm. You should have your own publications because that's what, you, what you're going to apply with. Mm -hmm. And then they accept you and then you go and you set up a table and you put your publications and your products, whatever mm -hmm. it is that you have and then you sell them. These are products at low prices, isn't mm -hmm. they're not, you know, you're not gonna be selling anything at 300 or $1,000. But there's a lot of artists there from every single walk of life you can think of, mm -hmm. and you get to meet them, and I've made great friends there. And right. sometimes through social media, we exchange ideas yeah. or suppliers or whatever, and that, that's what I do. So trade events. Uh, uh, yeah, uh -huh, trade events exactly. are a great, a great place. Juliana, how do you find community? I went to school, and that's where I found most of my friends, mm -hmm. or like artist friends, you know? Your teachers or your mentors, eventually if they see you participating, they kind of end up being, becoming your peers. Another thing too is just like, you know, if you want to be a part of the world, you kind of have to participate. Doesn't matter how bad you think it is. You know, like for me, I know what I like, painting and drawing. There's a painting and drawing show and everyone's talking about it. I'm like, I have to go. I have to go see it. I need to, I need to see what's up. I need to say if I like it, why I like it. If I don't like it, why I don't like it. I need to just, what is it, like actively be part of that conversation. Right. Jesse? Actually, I haven't. I haven't found. I don't know anybody. Well, so. this is it. Exactly. This is. This exactly. is. You found so it right here. Great. And so I'm. You know, I'm really listening. Everybody's saying. You know. Okay. Well. Is that important to you? Do you think to, yeah, to find I, collegiality I, with yes, other artists? I, yeah. Yeah. I. I love to see other artists. So, you know, I try to go to gallery show every mm -hmm. weekend and to see. You know. Can we make friends with them? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so 
This is great. Yeah. Uh, Cheyenne, what kinds of things does Art Share do to help bring artists together? <sighs> Nothing. <laughs> um, Thanks for the honesty. I know, right? No, our work is really done through our programs and through yeah. our main gallery show. Our shows are all group shows, have anywhere between 10 and 15 artists in them. We have art studio spaces here where artists are able to kind of co-mingle. And then the apartments upstairs, that's 30 people that are constantly kind of sharing their creative ideas with each other. I think the beauty of art share is the more that you put into it, the more you get out of it. Yes. So the more you're here, the more you come to shows, the more you're talking to artists, the more kind of that synergy is created and I think painting and drawing specifically and anything visual it's a very internal process mm -hmm. and so I think even the most introverted person is looking for someone to talk yes. to about it mm -hmm. and so what we do at all of our gallery shows and openings is all the artists have a name tag that either says I'm an artist or it says their name and that they're an artist and so that just kind of helps to grease the wheels a little mm -hmm. bit for that social engagement do the buyers have a I'm a buyer yeah. tag yeah, so exactly. that they can connect we yeah. I spot them for oh, okay, you guys good, don't good. worry and then a lot of amazing things just happen organically mm -hmm. and if I see that the connection needs to be made um, yes. there's a, a gentleman, Parker Winan, who's curating a show at Angel City Brewery, and he does a lot of pen ink drawings. And so I connected him with Timothy Melgoza, who has a similar aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we'll make those individual connections. But the more time we get to spend with you guys and hear what you're looking for, the more we can yeah. kind of grease those wheels for sure. I know some artists find community through giving back and mentoring younger kids and trying to... Have you guys worked with mentees at all in, in terms of youth programs or...? On Saturdays, I'm the art teacher. That's amazing. Where at? It's like a little daycare in Monterey Park by where I live. I teach two classes, so I just come in on Saturdays because on Saturdays is when they get their art class. I have two classes. The first class is the advanced drawing class or the advanced art class. Mm -hmm. And those are kids anywhere between like nine to 13 years old. Mm -hmm. So, and then um, the second class, that one's the cute one. They call it the baby class. So then it's like three-year-olds to like six-year-old kids. So fun. Every Saturday. I know it's hard sometimes given just the constraints of time and resources. I mean, we're all so damn busy, it's hard to find time to give back and to do the things that, you know, maybe are sort of outside of our, our day to day. What are some of the struggles that you guys have in terms of managing your time and finding the spaces that you need to feed your soul? You kind of just revolve your life around it. I do. I know where I can and can't work. You know, in terms of distance, my studio is here. I will not work more than blah, 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 X amount of distance from my studio. And then this is like timing too. Like I will not work at a place that will have me working like 12, 14 hour shifts. I don't think so. I'm sorry. I'd rather be poor than be going crazy or something. It's cool. I've been poor all my life. And then, yeah, this is like little things. And it's funny because I think when I first started doing this or like trying to live as an artist, I saw it a lot as like sacrifices. Like I'm like, I'm sacrificing a brand new car. I'm sacrificing an apartment. I'm sacrificing a trip to Europe. And then at the same time, I've realized that if I'm not working like something for myself, which is like a painting or a drawing, no matter how stupid it is, like I'm in such a bad mood. Like it's not healthy for me anyways, cause it's just become an integral part. You know, it's kind of like my little way of like praying every night or something like that. But yeah. Marguerite, how do you take care of yourself? 
I don't. Honest answer. Most of us don't. I have two cats. You have cats? Yeah, I take care of them and I feel good. Do they walk on your back and give you cat massages? Yeah, I kind of make sure that no work happens on Saturday and Sunday, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I let that slide. And usually I'm binging on videos and drawing, I guess, or coming, plotting. (laughs) (laughs) So, So we have a show coming up Saturday, the Not Real Art Exhibition. How are you guys feeling about the show? I'm pretty excited. Yeah? Yeah. This is the first time I invite people to... First time you invited people. Yeah. This is a (laughs) milestone moment. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. And this is a new body of work for you, Monica. Yes. Uh It's the first time I show this work in the way that I wanted to show it. So, and the grant was key player into having that done. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, this is like a big... Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for promoting the show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think our turnout's going to be good. Yeah, I yeah. do too. I think Monica's work, so she's hung with us before and she showed a series of Loteria mm-hmm. cards, but with a little, a little flair to them, a little kind of tongue-in-cheek feminist mm-hmm. uh, hit yeah. to all of them. I love them. I'm a huge fan of them. And then this one, I remember you emailed me and you said, it's too hard to explain. Here are some images. They won't help either, but can you trust me? And I remember <laughs> I forwarded it to the gallery person. I said, we got to trust Monica. Right. She had such beautiful craftsmanship to those Loteria cards that I knew that they're, yeah, I'm excited Thank to you. see this work. You have such a refined touch to everything you do. Can you describe the work a little bit? When I did the Loteria cards, those were... I used the same cards from the game to rearrange the meaning for them. And so I I was cutting each character in each card and then combining them to create new new meanings, new cards. For this work that I have now, I've been photographing goats and sheep all over California in abandoned places, homes, cars, abandoned objects. And so I'm doing sort of like the same type of cutting and pasting just digitally. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, it seems like it's a very different medium, but when it comes to detail, it's very similar. The way you're cutting and the way you are paying attention to every single border and everything so that the images look realistic. You know, but yeah. it's not collage. You're actually building on top. It becomes a dimensional object. Yeah. Well, yeah. they are built in layers digitally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. So yeah. Excited to see them. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Jesse. Yes. Tell us about your work that's going to show Saturday night. Uh, yes. I have, like I said, I don't have any style, fixed style. So I have some abstract, some digital, based on like somebody's face. Hmm. I played around. Is that digital? That's digital. Okay. Yeah. So, so I don't know how, I couldn't decide which one is, you know, appealing to the audience or, you know, it's, so I just throw everything. <laughs> I think it'll be good for you, Jesse, to see how people are responding to your work. It might help. And even, you know, talk to your colleagues that mm-hmm. are hanging with you. Yeah, they might have some, some comments or... Well, but that that raises such an interesting point. I want to ask all you, like, in terms of that voice inside and choosing the pieces, are you trying to be strategic and be a mind reader and say, okay, I think this piece is going to resonate with the audience the most? Or do you say, to hell with that, 
this is the piece that I love. This is the piece that I want to show because I'm most proud of this piece. Who gives a shit what anybody thinks? Or is it some combination? I don't know. I started thinking more about, yeah, like strategically, like, okay, what do I think? And then in the end, I was like, you know what? These are the ones that I like. Yes. So I yes. sent an email and I was like, can I change them? And they said, yes. So I mm -hmm. put, I, in the end, I put exactly what I wanted. Yes. Yeah, because you never know when you're going to have another opportunity. So you might as well just do what you want to do if you can in the moment. Right. For me, I just think of presentation, kind of like how do I want to present myself to these people? Like what do I want them to take out of this? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like you kind of have to have some sense of pride to it. You right. Know? So then you're not really thinking like, what do they like? Or yeah. you're not really thinking this one is my favorite one. Cause I can tell you right now I've had, so I have like those couple of like pieces that I'm like, I love it, but no one's ever gonna see it. Like So, but in Marguerite, I mean, you can weigh in here. Like I'm curious to what extent does story and the idea of story play into your work? Like the story you're trying to tell, do you think of your work in terms of story? Well, it's like the piece is like, an accumulation of several different stories. You could just look at like the historical period in which the piece was made or like what artists or like subject matter I'm referencing, you know? So it's kind of a grouping. My work in the show doesn't really have its own singular story. It's kind of, I'm referencing like cell animation and its demise, but I'm also kind of in discussion with going on supply runs and going to the plastic store and what can I find at the plastic store? So her work is wacky. <laughs> can I just say that? Like it's, I've never seen anything like it. It's, is it acrylic created on film, on plastic clear film? Please correct me, but in, in an image, you're like, is that cellophane? Is that a fruit roll up? Can I peel that off of the cellophane? <laughs> right. Like, and then it looks thick and it looks, like there's not anger, but just like swirl of emotion and color in there. And there's no figurative narrative to it. It's just, it, but it's so cool. I love the application of it. All right. Well, I mean, the pressure's just, on now. It just, like, it's just there. <laughs> <laughs> and then she also, a dimension, it's coming off the wall. And then right, she'll, right, she'll right. create the different cellophane layers to give it that kind of diorama, come on into the painting. Um, Sounds like a piece that my two-year-old son would be like, look at this. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> Can I eat it? Uh, you broke it, you buy it. Yeah. <laughs> but I have Let's no hope money. he does. Let's hope he breaks it. That's my, that's my goal audience, I think, two-year-old children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Hey, that's a good audience, it right? Is. If you get the two-year-old crowd, the two-year-old market. They Oof. laugh, they cry, yeah. they get angry, <laughs> yeah. and you don't know what exactly caused it. It's, it's pure emotion. Yeah. It's They're in between emotion. diaper and, and underwear. Like, yeah. that's confusing. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Juliana, what about story in your work? I think of, I was listening to a podcast, and it was a painter I really admire, Kim Dorland. He, I think he finally was able to summarize it into one word. Like, it's about intent. Intent. Yeah, rather than story. Like, what am I intending to do here? And then that's where I kind of start off and then I go off in my own world. Do you find that there is a common theme inside your intention? Or would you say your work and your, or your works have sort of unique intention unto themselves? It's like both. Yeah. They each have like their own little thing going on, but most definitely it's like the urban landscape. 
Yeah. That's like, I grew up here in East LA, Boyle Heights, downtown. My studio is like on third, like on Fourth Street. Right. So like, I don't know. It's kind of ridiculous, but it's like a legit infatuation with like buildings and structures and all of that good stuff. There's a sense of chaos in your work that I've just always loved. Like she'll create the architectural urban landscape and those lines, that the horizon line that you expect with the trees and the palm trees. And then all of a sudden on the left, there's this chaos going on in abstract. What are you trying to marry in that narrative versus abstract? Myself. <laughs> well, like, it's kind of like, you know, it's the history of painting. I'm kind of like a big nerd about it. I like, that's what I want to do. I want to be like a master painter, a master printmaker, as old school as that sounds. And then, you know, you think of all these styles and you study them, you go to school, but then you also have the stuff you find out about on your own, you know, like you have your anime, your cartoons, you have your TV, you have your siblings, you have your friends that also show you all these other things. And then you have the things that you learned at school, you know, like how to combine the perfect colors together, that push and pull, that Hans Hoffman, all that like refinement, you know, like history. So then that's where all of that comes from, where I'm just kind of like, where is this like flow? How can I unite these worlds and not make them look separate, not make one look better than the other one, just like really just like, what is it? Marry the both of them, yeah. just like in unison. I love that. Yeah, it definitely comes through. The piece that you did in the last show with the drag queen? No, that wasn't me. Oh, that wasn't you. So sorry. Well, it, it screamed you, and I should introduce you to each other because... <laughs> I know who she is. We went to the same school, oh, same program. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, we won't say her name. <laughs> Screw her. But no, her, <laughs> the, the chaos inside of reality, I feel like that we're all trying to balance that. It's great. I do have one last question just for me culture, diversity, your backgrounds, how much of that lens comes through in your work? How much do you carry from it and, and bring that forward into what you're doing? And, or is it muted? I try not to think about it because if I think about it, it's going to come off as like some superficial thing. Like a forced. So it's just kind of like if it comes out, it just comes out, you know, like when you're talking and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit. And you're like, oh fuck, I just swear. Like, you know, it's just like let it flow out naturally. Don't force it. Don't try to hide it either. Just like, let it happen. Thanks. Jesse? Yes, um, I think in Japanese culture, especially where I come from, I have to be quiet. I have to be in the box. So when I came here and I start, you know, doing what I do right now, finally I feel, oh, okay, this is makes sense. No wonder I didn't fit in over there. So that's maybe, so now, yeah. That Does connects that to the, the screaming face that you're showing at uh, oh, yeah. Navarro yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful face that's just screaming with so much emotion. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. Marguerite? So I am fourth generation Japanese American and then my father is from Iran. So in both cases, my mom is just like crazy about like she has like the wackiest sense of pop culture humor and I associate her more with like being a Bay Area person and my dad you know he came over here with uh, visions of Mighty Mouse and soccer so he's not like he's pretty cartoony too and he came by himself and he's definitely more Californian than Iranian I'd say and so my work you know it 
it's a nod to both those cultures, but at the same time, it's like in a weird, sad exile state because I don't speak either of those languages and I am not recognized by either of those cultures as being of that, so yeah. So I like the media. Yeah, thanks, Marguerite. I, identity was something that I never thought about in my life. And I moved here well into adulthood. So I, I don't think about it. I don't think about the fact that I'm Mexican or too much anyway. And, but when I got here, I realized that that was a thing. It's like, who are you, where you come from, and what do you stand for, and all those things. So I don't think about it when I'm doing the artwork. I think it comes through sometimes. I do use the Virgen de Guadalupe in my images. That is an icon that I, when I moved here and I would see it on buildings, it would just grab me. It was like, okay, it's, this is home. This is home. Every time I saw it, this is home. So I think that's why I include it, even though I'm not religious or anything like that. But the other part of me that has to do with my background that I think comes through is the magical realism. And that I just realized that recently when I saw a movie, a movie called Tigers Are Not Afraid, I think that's the title. And it's all magical realism. And I, I realized that's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a Mexican movie. So I think that's the way it comes through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Well. Juliana, Marguerite, Monica, Jesse, thank you so much for hanging out with Cheyenne and I today, talking about our common love for arts and the excitement that we have for Saturday's show. And uh, it's gonna be fantastic. And please come back, will you, will you come back? Yeah. Because now you're part of the Navarral Art family. And I'm sort of debating, like, do the winners from year one become the judges for year two? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind something, of interesting, something. different ideas. Like do you guys want to judge? You want to judge? Of course. Yeah. You want to... <laughs> I'll take the names off the judge. have to be a silent or a... Yeah, right, okay. We'll figure all yeah. that out. But, well, see you on Saturday. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, ladies. Hey there, thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and share it with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to press subscribe and follow us on IG at Not Real Art Official. We appreciate the support. Sourdough, out.